0: I want to help you today. Uh, I'm going to preach to you. I may preach a little at you, but I'm going to preach to you today. I'm preaching to me as well, and I want to help you. Solomon is now the king of Israel. Solomon is the son of David, and he is the successor to the throne. By the way, Solomon was not David's firstborn son. Probably the one that by birthright should have had it was a man named Adonijah. But Solomon was the uh, son of David and Bathsheba. Remember that Bathsheba is the one that David committed adultery with and had her husband killed. Now Solomon was not the product of the adultery, but his mama was an adulteress. Can I tell you something? God can use anybody. Aren't you glad you don't have to have blue blood? You don't have to be perfect. But Solomon now sits firmly on the throne. Solomon was a good young man. Solomon was a godly young man. We won't take time to turn there, but if you went to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 1, you'll find out three or four times Solomon is the only man in the Bible that God calls the preacher. That's how Solomon was known. God's name for Solomon was the preacher. Uh, Many of you call me preacher or pastor, and I love that. I'm always humbled when uh, the people here call me that. Uh, May I say something? There's just something about that that's very special. Solomon was a good young man. God came to him one night and said, Solomon, I loved your daddy. He was a good king. Solomon, I believe you want what your daddy wanted. I'll give you whatever you want. What will you ask for? Solomon said, God, would you give me wisdom to lead your people your way? He said, What do you mean? You're not asking for money or for fame? He said, No, I want to lead God's people your way. God said, Because you asked for wisdom, I'll give you wisdom beyond anybody, but I'll also back it up with wisdom and fame, or with fame and fortune. He said, I'll give you all three. You see, God gave him more than he asked for. He just wanted wisdom to lead Israel. God said, I'll give you more wisdom than any human will have ever had. And I'll give you exceeding riches and exceeding fame throughout all the world. Years have passed. He's a middle-aged man, 56. (laughs) Got to try it when you can, amen. The Queen of Sheba hears of the stories of King Solomon. Solomon has built a beautiful temple which replaced the tabernacle, a permanent dwelling for the Holy of Holies. He's built this beautiful palace. He has wealth and fame beyond anybody in the world. This queen in a place called Sheba, where in the world is Sheba? Sheba is on the southwest tip of the Red Sea. It's right across the Red Sea from the southwest side of uh, Yemen and just on the Somali border. It's right there where Somalia and Yemen come together on the southern portion of the Red Sea. Some 2,000 miles from Israel. She said, I've heard this man. I'm the queen. I'm going to load up a bunch of things and I'm going to go ask him some questions. He can't be as good as everybody says he is. Y'all know what I'm talking about. She loads up her camels and her train that comes with her. And it's not talking about a choo choo train but the amount of people and animals that went with them and she gets there she sits down with king solomon and she has traveled for many weeks she's brought a host of gifts and spices and gold and precious stones To maybe get his attention to listen to her questions. And by the way, if you look at chapter 10, verse number 1, it says that she came in the very end there to prove him with hard questions. In other words, she came to trip him up. She came to be critical. To prove he wasn't as good as he thought he was. The Bible says that she talked with him. And when she had asked all of her questions and Solomon had answered many of those questions before she asked them. say, how do you know that preacher? Because if you look at verse number three and Solomon told her all her questions. It doesn't say that he answered all her questions. He said, I know what you're going to ask me before you ask me. Here's your question. Here's the answer. And the Bible says that she was so set back that it took her breath away. Literally, she had no more huh, breath left. She was in such awe of not only him knowing the questions, but showing the answers that exceeded a matter of fact, it says, uh, in verse number, uh, seven, mine eyes has seen it and behold, the half was not told me. She said, everything I've heard about isn't even half of what I've seen. Now, what got the queen's attention most? This queen who has traveled 2,000 miles, and let me remind you, she's got to travel 2,000 miles back. They didn't have planes and cars and highways like we do She's going to ride on horse and camel and mule back the whole way. Maybe get on a boat and go up the Red Sea or down the Red Sea, which direction she's coming, through some of that. But it's going to be a long journey. What got her attention most? What did she talk about most? Was it his wealth and money? No. She understood money and wealth. Was it the fancy clothing and fancy palace? No, she lived in that. She understood what goes with that. Was it being served by people all around? No, she was used to that. Big houses and fancy furnishings was normal to her. It's kind of hard to impress a queen, a wealthy queen, with things. Here's my sermon. What would the queen of by the way if the queen of sheba were to come to Grace Baptist Church today what would be that which impresses her here would she be impressed with God's house here as she was in the day of Solomon I'm going to show you what impressed her most in a minute. But let's find out what she saw. First of all, how much did Solomon really have? It's kind of hard to conceive, isn't it? We're in 1 Kings chapter 10. Look at verse number 14. Now the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was 600, three score, and six talents of gold. That's hundreds of millions of dollars. Beside that, he had of the merchant men and of the traffic, the spiced merchants, and of all the kings of Arabia and of the governors of the country. And King Solomon made 200 targets of beaten gold. 600 shekels of gold went into one target. And he made 300 shields of beaten gold. Three pounds of gold went into, went into one shield. You realize gold right now is about $1,800 an ounce, times 16 ounces per pound, times three pounds per shield. Those are just for decorations. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory. And overlaid it with the best gold. The throne had six steps. and The top of the throne was round about behind. There were stays on either side of the place of the seat. Two lions stood beside the stays. The twelve lions uh, stood there. The one on one side and the one on the other upon six steps. There was not like uh, made in any kingdom. And all of Solomon's drinking vessels were gold. The vessels of the house were from uh, of the forest of Lebanon were of pure gold. None were of silver. It was nothing accounted of in the days of Solomon. In other words, he had so much gold that silver was worthless to him. For the king said, had a sea a navy of Tharshish, with the navy of Hiram. One in three years came the navy of Tarshish, bringing gold and silver and ivory and apes and peacocks. So King Solomon exceeded all the kings of the earth for riches and wisdom. Now think about that for just a little while. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. God records more of what Solomon had. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Now, I want you to notice something, and I'm going to talk about this in a second. Solomon was more than just a king. He had more wisdom, and he could talk on any subject at length at any time. He had knowledge and wisdom beyond any human being on the face of the earth. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2, look at verse number 4. I want you to notice what Solomon said, God uses Solomon to say here. I made me great works. I builded me houses, plural. I planted me vineyards, in other words, he understood plants and farming. I made me gardens and orchards, and I planted trees in them all of all kind of fruits i made me pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth the trees in other words he specially fertilized the water that would help with the trees for the fertilization i got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house also had i great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in jerusalem before me He understood farming and cattle farming. I gathered me also silver and gold and peculiar treasure of the kings of the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments that are of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all they that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. Whatsoever my eye desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. This was my portion and all my labor. I could go on in First Kings chapter 14, verses 29 through 34. We won't take time to turn there. But the Bible talked about some of the great things he had built. He had zoos. He understood all the animals of the, of the world and had them brought there and built zoos. He had uh he had uh pipes and he had uh water that ran through his homes and throughout uh, irrigation ditches and different things. And all these things in first kings chapter uh 4 verses 29 through 34 you can read later. He could sit there and talk about horticulture and trees and plants by the hour. He could talk about cattle and sheep, and camels and horses by the hour. He could talk about all the different animals from around the world and knew them and raised them and took care of them in his own personal zoos. Here's a man that had incredible wealth. I did some research from best I could do, and this is going to be close but probably not exact but by today's standard solomon was probably worth in the neighborhood of two and a half to three trillion dollars richest man in the world right now is a man named elon musk that's worth about 257 billion dollars that's 10 to 15 times more wealth than elon musk Solomon was worth enough to run the United States of America for one year without anybody paying taxes. That's if we didn't deficit spend our actual budget. You see, Solomon was one of those people you'd like to have 10 minutes with and ask him some questions. I've been fortunate to know some great people. I've talked with some of the greatest church builders of yesteryear. I've talked to wealthy people. One of my dearest friends, Dr. Russell Anderson, just recently went to heaven in the last year or so. Dr. Anderson gave over $35 million for the work of God around the world. He came here and he was wanting to help us build our building. And I said, Doc, I don't want your money. I said, I want your friendship, not your money, and I don't want this church built on your money. I want it built uh, by God's people, God's way. I said, I just want you to come here and be you. Say, you wouldn't accept money from a millionaire? Nope. Look what God did. Not look what Dr. Anderson did. Look what God did. Man stood here, stood behind this pulpit. We honored him, and he came and honored us one day. Man that I worked for in a machine shop in Indiana when I was going to Bible college, he's a billionaire. Two different occasions total, he gave us $165,000 for the construction of this property and building. Without, He called me one day and said, what you need? I said, I won't tell you. He said, why not? I said, I tell God. If God wants you to do something, he'll tell you what to do. He said, but Craig, I could help you. I could support the whole project. I said, then do it. But I'm not telling you what I need. I tell God and I don't tell anybody else. I said, if you want to do something, God's going to tell you what to do, not this preacher. Everybody doing okay? So he gave us $65,000. A little over a year later, he called me and said, we got some crumbs left in the Christmas cookie jar. He said, could I get your banking information, and I'll, I'll just wire it directly. I thought, Lord, I need $10,000 so bet I can't stand it right now. Lord, please make it at least 10000 You can do more, but i got to have $10,000. <laughs> a few days later, he said, go to the bank. So I went to the bank, had her check, and there was a deposit of $100,000. If that was the crumbs, I'd like to see the cookie jar. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. If that's just the fruit that remains, come on. bring. Y'all, I'll, I'll eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table, amen? Oh, wait a minute. We didn't know we were going to need that money, but we needed that money. God took care of every step of it. Say why, because I didn't ask anybody but him. You know, I've been in the presence of great people. I've been around them. By the way, that same man, I sent him a picture Christmas day of my grandson, one of the cutest pictures. He said, Craig, I need your address. I got something I want to send to your house. I said, told my wife, I said, it's kind of scary when a billionaire asks for your address. Not quite sure what, and he had gotten some kind of new fancy printer that does plastics and different things and had that picture put on there and he said, the first thing I printed, he says, all I could think of was that, that's the picture that needs to be printed first on this thing. I don't know how much money he spent on the stupid thing. Yeah, <laughs> Can I tell you something? I'd rather have the relationship than the money, though. I knew many of the great fundamental leaders of yesteryear. My pastor, Dr. Jack Hiles. I knew Dr. Lee Robertson. Dr. Tom Malone, Dr. Joe Boyd, Brother Lester Roloff, uh, Tom Wallace. Bless God, Brother Wallace. I love hearing that man's voice. Now, wait a minute. Uh, I, I knew others, Dr. Bruce Cummins and Harold Henniger. And I could go down the line of great men that I knew, but do you know they were great and wise men, but God said Solomon was wiser than all of them? This queen comes to find out about what all Solomon really was. Number two. The queen was overwhelmed. And this is where you pick up the rest of the sermon. She was overwhelmed by the attitude and how everyone got along. That worked around Solomon. Look at verse number. Eight. Happy. Are thy men. Happy are these. Thy servants. Which stand continually before thee. And that hear thy wisdom. Blessed. Be the Lord thy God. Which delighted in thee. To set thee on the throne of Israel, because the Lord loved Israel forever; therefore, made he thee king to do judgment and justice. It wasn't all the wealth. wasn't all the gold and all the silver and all the precious stones. wasn't the fancy houses and the fancy palace and the uh, the throne that uh, was built. Six steps high and on the seventh step on the platform, you had a lion at each end of the steps and at the top you had the throne with the columns around behind and uh, it was made out of pure ivory overlaid with the purest of gold. All the etchings and things were of perfect gold. Can you imagine how beautiful that was? (laughs) But. What impressed her most? Happy are thy men. Happy are these thy servants which serve thee continually. Listen to the next statement. They stand before thee and they hear thy wisdom. She could not get over how everybody got along, not just in front of but behind Solomon's back. They were happy to serve everybody look at me for just a second i'm if i step on a nerve then i succeeded i get a little tired of preachers that said well bless god i gave up all this to go into the ministry do me a favor quit the ministry and go back to what you gave up i didn't give anything up to go into the ministry i got a whole lot more than i could have ever gotten elsewhere My paycheck might not be what it could have been in the world, but my retirement benefits are out of this world. I got to see God work. I was 17 years old. had two pro contracts offered to me to pitch professional sports. Leave high school, go into double A ball right away. Not college, double A. One for the Royals, one for the Indians. And I grew up in northeast Ohio. You grow up where I grew up in Ohio, It is uh, sports are a god there. The Hall of Fame is in my hometown, Canton, Ohio. Did you know the professional athletes that play the Hall of Fame game, that's played in a high school stadium? When you see Fawcett Stadium on television for the Hall of Fame game, realize that is a high school stadium. Holds about twenty three, twenty four thousand 24,000 people. They fill it up every weekend for high school sports. Everybody doing okay? I grew up in that kind of part of the country. God called me to preach. I went to my pastor's office. They offered me, and back then, this is back in 1980, none of your business. Uh, Back in 1984, 85-ish. They said, if you sign this contract, we'll give you a sixty or a seventy thousand dollars signing bonus just to sign the piece of paper. Now, when you're in high school and somebody's, you know, at that time minimum wage was two eighty-five an hour. Shut up. Yeah, yeah. You all complaining about it are the ones that uh, you lived through that. You know what I'm talking about. I put those contracts in my Bible. I went to my pastor. I walked into his office and my pastor was six foot four, 245 pounds. He was a giant of a man. I was five foot eight and 98 pounds when both pockets were filled with bananas. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I was a scrawny little thing. I ain't scrawny anymore, but shut up. Scott weighed that when he was born. They called him Baby Huey, amen? (laughs) Wait a minute. I went into my preacher's office and I said, preacher, I said, I was playing ball and these two scouts came and they said if I signed this, I could go right into A professional baseball. I said, what should I do? He said, son, did God call you to preach? I said, yes, sir. He said, so what's your question? Well, he was getting older. He was in his 40s. (laughs) I thought maybe he didn't hear me right. And I said, I went through the whole story again. He said, son, did God call you to preach? I said, yes, sir. He said, so what's your question? And I looked at him. And I started to say something, and he said, "Uh uh-uh, did God call you to preach? I said, yes, sir. And I knew what he meant. I took those pieces of paper that were in my Bible, tore them up, put them down on his desk, grabbed my Bible and walked out and became a Baptist preacher. Years later, I was at a Charleston River Dogs game in Charleston, South Carolina, I took my teenagers there I was a the youth director there. By the way, young man that just preached here just a little while ago, Brother Jamie Jackson, you know, the tall evangelist, he was sitting in that group of teenagers. I looked up and told my wife, I know that guy over there. She said, Okay, who is he? God love my wife. Brother James, I said, That's Nolan Ryan. She said, Who's that? <laughs> I said, never mind, I'm going to go talk to him. I got up and I walked across and I said, Mr. Ryan, and you could see he just kind of cringed that he was recognized. I reached out my hand introduced myself and shook his hand. I said, I'm not here for your autograph. You're not? I said, no, I just want to talk to you for a moment. I gave him a little... 60 second history of my life because I was only 25 years old or so. Didn't take very long and I hadn't done much. Said, I got a group of teenagers over here from the church. He was watching his son Reed play single A ball. (laughs) Tears began to roll down his face. He said, Son, You better be glad you went into the ministry and not baseball. He said, I made a lot of money. I got well-known. He said, I got a bank account that can show what I did and a ranch in Texas. He said, but those young people's lives over there last forever. He said, you're a wealthier man than I will ever be. And I said, well, since I got your attention... I said, Mr. Ryan, may I ask you one question? He said, you can ask me anything you want. I said, if you died today, do you know 100% sure you'd go to heaven? That man began to burst into tears. He said, I hadn't been asked that question in a long time. He said, but yes, sir. He said, I went to church with my grandma. 10 years old down in east texas he said i went into a baptist church and heard a man preach and i walked an aisle and trusted jesus christ as my savior i said mr ryan that's all i needed to know he said you came to shake my hand he reached his hand out he said may i shake yours yes <laughs> He said, Keep on going, preacher. Keep on going. I said, I will. You see, I wonder how overwhelmed people are with wealth. But I'd rather have the spirit we have at Grace Baptist Church than a million dollars sitting in the bank. I mean that we got enough to pay the bills. Maybe a little bit extra in the emergency fund, but not a whole lot. But I'll take the spirit we have at Grace Baptist Church any day, than a million bucks in the bank. There's people that trusted Christ as their Savior this week, out soul winning, and people got saved. And I'll take that over money in the bank any day. I got to work for Dr. Jack Hiles, my dear preacher and friend. I was one of his assistant pastors for the last five years of his life. His love was powerful. His mind was exceptional. Every Sunday night, he would stand at 6 o'clock. Church was at 7. He would stand for 50 minutes in his auditorium, 7,000-seat auditorium. Usually, there was anywhere from three or 4,000 people at the 6 o'clock hour. And they would just ask him question after question after question after question after question for 50 minutes what hats to buy, what type of uh, cloth for this, what plants for this, uh, business questions. He could talk on any subject. And I mean it. It wasn't just Bible questions. I mean, it was about everything. I used to sit there and just scratch my head thinking, how in the world does he know all this? They were talking stocks and trades and different things, and he could talk from stock market to Uh, cows and milk and he could talk I mean he could talk at all and for 50 minutes every week and he cut down the amount of questions he had in his office by doing that by doing it for 50 minutes in front of the whole church now wait a minute he dripped with wisdom and experience I was taking him to the airport one day and he said son he said I kind of envy you I said why is that preacher he said you got my best years you got my last years he said I've already made all my mistakes and had to fix them he said you don't have to go through as many mistakes with me as some of the others have had he said I hope you're paying attention I said oh yes sir I am but Dr. Jack Hiles never forced his way on anybody I watched that man just sheepishly Quietly love people, never force his way. Not a more powerful preacher, not a preacher used in history more than he. Over two million people walked an aisle for salvation under his ministry. Two million. (laughs) After he died, I was one of the pallbearers that carried his casket. There's a bunch of preachers around the country that thought they were hot snot on a silver platter. And ain't nothing but a cold booger on a paper plate. (laughs) They would go around bragging about how close to Dr. Jack Hiles they were. May I say something? I worked for the man. I don't have to brag about it. Because if you were close to him, you didn't need to brag. You just did it. You enjoyed that presence with him. When we worked with him, we enjoyed working for him. I never had set hours. But I know this, I'd work myself into the ground for the man. Because I loved him. Loved doing the work of God. I was in my office one morning, about 7.30 my phone rang. And I looked and the <laughs> Brother Hiles' button was lit up. I said, uh-oh. I picked it up and said, Yes, sir. <laughs> he said, Brother Craig, how long you been here? I said, I got here about five fifteen, five thirty. He said, You're gonna have to quit that. I said, Why's that? He said, You're making me look bad. I didn't get here till just a few minutes ago. <laughs> he said, You got three kids at home. I said, It's okay, they're they were in bed. They'll they'll be here. Don't you worry. Everything's fine. He never forgot that. Number three. The impressiveness of the. I'm going to use a word here that I don't like using, but I don't know how to explain it. The impressiveness of the pageantry was not the pageantry, it was the happiness of the people. Now, she was impressed with how folks looked. Look at verse number 5. Verse 4. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all of Solomon's wisdom, and the house that he had built, and the meat of his table. And by the way, that means this, and you find out in 1 Kings that uh, he, he fed everybody that worked for him and they all sat at the same table. Hundreds and hundreds of workers, he fed them the best of the food. Now watch this. The meat of his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel and his cupbearers and his ascent by which he went up unto the house of the Lord. There was no more spirit in her. Now look at me. It wasn't a show. It was a way of life. She was not impressed with the pageantry. She was impressed that when she saw them afterwards, they were the same afterwards as they were in his presence. They wore their uniforms happily. And they were constantly in uniform. Because whenever... The King called, they wanted to the answer. They got to be a part of something that nobody else could understand. i don 't mean this in a in a boastful way. You have a hard time understanding a church that ran twenty two twenty four twenty five thousand every Sunday. I got to work there. There were more people in church than live in Martinsburg. Every Sunday, we had high days that had more people in church than live in Jefferson County. The highest day of attendance, I think, we had eighty-one or eighty-two thousand people on the church property in Hammond. You have to understand something. (laughs) We were on call twenty-four-seven. but may I say this, we enjoyed it. I remember one day Dr. Joe Boyd was getting ready to go in. He was at Munster Community Hospital getting ready to go in for heart surgery, having three- or four-way bypass surgery. I was getting ready to go teach at the college for evening college. It was about 3.30, 4 o'clock maybe in the afternoon, maybe uh, just somewhere in that ballpark. My phone rang, and it was Brother Hiles. He said, Brother Craig, are you teaching at the college tonight? I said, yes, sir. He said, no, you're not. I said, okay. He said, I'll call the college. I'll get it cared for. He said, Brother Joe's in the hospital at Munster. He's having surgery tomorrow. He said, I just left his room, and he asked for you. He said, would you go to the hospital and just spend some time with Brother Joe? Don't you worry about teaching college tonight. I got it cared for. He said, whatever Joe wants, give it to him. I said, yes, sir. Dr. Joe Boyd was an evangelist, giant of a man. Played uh, football for Texas A&M, Golden Gloves boxer. He got uh, drafted and played for the Washington Redskins and then broke a bone in his neck and had to quit professional football. God called him to preach late in life in his late 20s. Brother Joe was a giant. He was about six inches taller than Brother Barnes and made Brother Barnes look small. I mean, just a giant. I mean, he had hands that were about this big. Brother Joe would come to Hammond. My wife would sit on the third row, right about where Chris is, right there. She'd have our three little toe-headed idiots sitting beside her. Just little, little kids. And that big old giant of a man would come and he'd wiggle down beside my wife and sit right on that, that end, end of the pew. My kids would fight over who got to sit by Brother Joe. Finally, he'd just scoop them all up with one arm and set them on his lap. He had three kids sitting on one lap. Say why. That's, they just knew him as Brother Joe. He was a preacher they loved. They were happy. Brother Joe was happy. It was happy to work for Brother Hiles. But we were on call all the time. Christianity, listen to this statement. Christianity isn't something you just put on to come to church. It's something we're to live. 24-7. Uh, they dressed up to eat together, we find here in the scripture. There was a day when people dressed up to go to church. There was something called Sunday go to meeting clothes. Now, as long as you're covered, I'm happy, but if the Queen of Sheba were to come, what would she think? How are we treating? By the way, if God is our king, we're a child of the king. Should we not represent our king well? Should we not represent the king well with our attitude and with how we treat one another? Whether we're in the presence of the king or not. I'm talking about at home. I'm talking about at work. I'm talking about at church. I'm talking about in public. Recently I was out somewhere and somebody said, Hey, aren't you that pastor? I said, which one? (laughs) They said, the one in that new church building over there. I said, that's me. I've seen your picture. I said, was it at the post office? They said, no. I said, good. And I, I laughed with them for a second, and they said, this is what they said. We heard you had a good attitude. It's nice to meet you. I reached in my pocket and handed them a gospel tract. They said, oh, I got three of those already. I said, that's fine. Can I tell you something? Maybe we ought to act like a child of the king all the time. I love what it says. The queen of Sheba, how be it? I believe not the words until I came people come here and they they don't believe what they've heard and then they go away saying the half has not been told they are really crazy down there (laughs) but can I tell you something this is the way it should be I don't pull any punches here it is say well you're just so old fashioned thank you very much well, I didn't mean it as a compliment. Too bad. I took it that way. Too late. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> no, no stained glass. No ooky, spooky weird m- music to try to invoke spirituality. I don't say God like some intellectual that says God. But we'll just. Plain out, preach the truth. Amen. Let me ask you a question. Are you acting like a child of the king? If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your savior, how'd you like to become a child of the king? See, if you're not saved, you're a child of the devil, not the child of the king. And God said in John chapter 1, verse number 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. How about we just obey the king and enjoy serving the king together? Amen. I don't know about you. I love coming here. You know, you pull on the property and you sense something's just a little different. Those of you that come here often, your heart starts beating just a little faster and you say, It's going to be good. It's happy. It's bright. It's cheerful. We get out of this nasty, gnarly world and get to go to a place and we sense God's presence and it's happy and uh, you feel like the Queen of Sheba after being in the presence of Solomon. Though I'm not Solomon in any way and I have enough sense not to have 700 wives and 300 concubines. (laughs) God and I are going to have a talk. Solomon may have been the wisest man in the world but he was stupid too. 700 mother-in-laws Forget that mess, good night. Who wants seven hundred mother in laws You know he may have been wise, but he could be stupid too. Ah can tell you something, but we get to be a child of the king. How about we decide we're going to be a child of the king twenty four seven Not just visit it, not just come and. Give attendance to it, but we're going to live it. I'll promise you one thing, you'll be happier. You'll be happier. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done. Say, preacher, if I die today, I'm 100% sure. I know for sure I'm going to heaven when I die. Would you raise your hand? God bless you. You may put your hands down. Say, preacher, if I die today, I don't know that, but I'd like to be a child of God someday. I'll not come to you. I'll not call you by name. I won't embarrass you. I promise you. But say, preacher, I've never been saved. I've never trusted Christ. But I'd like to someday. Would you raise your hand? All right. Who'd say, preacher, somewhere in that sermon something I needed? Would you raise your hand? Oh, my soul, scores and scores of hands. You may put them down. If you've been saved and never baptized, we could take care of that today. We've got everything you need. If you've been saved and baptized by immersion, like to join our church, you come. If God spoke to your heart today. God was impressing something on you. How about you come kneel at an old-fashioned altar and talk to God about it today? It's okay. He's your king. He's your daddy. He wants to help you.